Welcome to the Mediate.com podcast with Veronica Kramer. Hey there, and thanks for joining me for another great episode. So today I'm excited because we're going to talk all about an introduction to ombudsing for mediators. And I'm so excited for today's guest. Today's guest is Chuck Doran. Chuck is an experienced mediator and ombuds specializing in the resolution of employment, franchise, and other commercial disputes since 1992. Chuck is a certified organizational ombuds practitioner and a member of the International Ombuds Association who completed ombuds training with the IOA in 1995. Chuck is also a distinguished fellow with the International Academy of Mediators and a past president of IAM's Board of Governors. So with that, Chuck, welcome to the show and thanks for coming on the Mediate.com podcast. Well, thanks for having me, having me, Veronica. Yeah, so I am really excited to learn about the work of an ombuds. So I have to share with you and for our listeners, I have heard of the word ombuds and mm -hmm. I feel like I have this kind of vague understanding of what they do. I sort of have always kind of thought of an ombuds is kind of like a mediator, sort of, but not quite, right? So I'm so excited to have you on the show to, to learn more. So I thought I would just kick things off. I mean, can you just share with me and, and for our listeners, what is an ombuds? Sure. And uh, again, it's great to be here. And um, First thing you you got the hard part done, which is pronounce you know the proper pronunciation <laughs> of ombuds. A lot of people added an S or a Z in the middle of it, so you, you got that right. Um, so really, in summary, um, an, an ombuds is an independent, impartial, informal, and confidential resource um, that serves companies, namely employees, managers, anyone else who is eligible, uh, to surface and resolve work-related issues. And I think those four principles are really what drives our work. Um, and, and one thing that I, and we can talk more about this, but I serve as an organizational ombuds um, and there's different types, but an organizational ombuds serves the uh, constituents of that particular organization. Um, and I also serve specifically as an outsourced or external, sometimes known as a contract ombuds, which is, unique to the ombuds world because a majority of ombuds are usually designated um, employees actually of either a company or university. Uh, so that is a distinction with a difference. That's interesting. And, you know, just from what I was reading in preparation for today's conversation, it seems like ombuds work is, is, is pretty niche, right? And so mm -hmm. I know that you are a mediator as well. And I'm curious if you can share just how you got into doing ombuds work. Sure. Yeah, as you mentioned, I, I, I've been, it's hard to believe sometimes, but I've been mediating for 30 years. So starting in 1992, I uh, took a training um, in uh, here close to home in, in, uh, in Boston and um, just was kind of bitten by the bug and really couldn't do it, do it enough. And uh, so I got a lot of experience as a, as a mediator. And then in 1995, I learned about the role of the ombuds. And um, at that time, uh, the what was then, it was actually the, um, it was TOA, not IOA. Um, so it was prior to the time before IOA merged. Um, 
with the university-based ombuds association and it was known as the ombudsman association toa and uh, they offered a thing called ombuds 101 which is now the foundations course and it was a four-day uh, program and i ended up um, taking it and and kind of felt equally passionate about the ombuds role as i have as a mediator and um what I really like about the um, ombuds role as compared to a mediator role is um, I really like the systemic approach of an ombuds. I mean, an ombuds works with an organization with its constituents, its employees um, to, as I mentioned, kind of surface issues to let them come up, but they do in a safe way because it's confidential. Um, also, as I tell visitors who come to um, speak with me that this can be, um, we can use the time however you'd like. So it can be informal. Um, it could be, um, I could, if you want me to take action and it aligns with uh, my role and with the charter that's set up with the organization, um, I can take steps to um, speak with somebody on your behalf, but it all comes down to what the visitor gives me permission about. Um, and also being impartial, similar to a mediator, um, I am not an advocate for the employee. I'm an advocate for a fair process and also making sure that um, management understands when their process isn't working. Let's just say that there's an HR process in place. And I've had situations where people said, well, I tried calling HR, but they never got back to me. And so perhaps that's a time for me to uh, raise with, say, the head of HR, say, this is the feedback I got. I'm not going to tell you who gave me the feedback because they don't want me to share it, but they're saying that members of your, the business partners aren't getting back um, to the employees. Um, so, and then, and then lastly, being independent, I think it increases the chance that the visitors will come speak with me because they know I'm not actually part of the company. Um, and especially as an outsourced ombuds, um, my, um, I, I'm positioned in such a way that I can let them know I'm not an employee. I don't share a email domain with you. It's not like the IT department can review emails that go back and forth. So I can also, that commitment to privacy and confidentiality is also held um, up by being a independent uh, resource for employees. That's interesting. And one thing I wanted to follow up on that, you know, has really intrigued me is you talked about how the work of an ombuds, you can you have the opportunity to take this sort of systemic approach, which it seems like that's really a key difference in comparison to the work of a mediator. Mm -hmm. Like if I reflect on, you know, all my years of mediating. So for example, I've mediated lots and lots of eviction cases in the past. Mm -hmm. And if I sort of think about those, I felt like I was helping to resolve individual cases, mm -hmm. but you know, I, I wasn't noticing like, for example, case filings going down, mm -hmm. right? Cause mm -hmm. I was just mm -hmm. tasked with helping those particular landlords and tenants on those particular cases that I mediate, mediated mm -hmm. resolve mm -hmm. that particular case. But mm -hmm. can you tell me more about just sort of this systemic approach that you're able to take as an organizational ombuds like you mentioned something about bringing to light problems and it sounds like more in an anonymous way can you talk more about that yeah and i think you've really uh described exactly what's going on in terms of 
the difference between a mediator and an ombuds, I mean, a mediator oftentimes will be dealing with issues on a one-off basis and they will you know, help the parties reach an outcome based on their interests and hopefully come up with a resolution that puts closure on that particular matter. But the, the difference though with an ombuds is an ombuds, ombuds actually can provide mediation services if requested and agreed to by both visitors. And we actually, visitors are really just the, the, the global name that we'll give to anyone who utilizes the ombuds service. And so um, what happens though, that what we'll also do in addition to help re resolve and um, either provide information, uh, maybe provide some clarity about a policy or a procedure within the company. We also um, collect anonymized uh, data and we identify trends, we identify um, either through business units or through um, different departments or locations where the hotspots are within the company. So another benefit to companies who are considering using an ombuds is that they oftentimes are um, told about situations that they don't hear about. And usually when talking with CEOs, they're like, well, what keeps you up at night? And it's usually things I don't know about, things that are going to surprise me. And instead the ombuds um, is able to say, look, there's this trend, like perhaps there's a manager who is treating team members in a certain way, but everybody's too scared to go uh, approach get, uh, fear of retaliation or, and so they, they people can tell the ombuds and the ombuds, especially if we hear from at least three people, that's how we define a trend. We can then bring that to, um, you know, we have a, one of our clients that we bring it to counsel who will actually has the authority to, you know, trigger an investigation. We don't conduct investigations because we're not at all kind of evidentiary in terms of our approach, but rather we will surface the issues and identify where things aren't working and kind of you know, one I've heard one ombuds described as something I untie the knots, you know, help, you know, existing more formal processes like HR or other, you know, uh, processes work um, and find out where they get stuck. That's interesting. And I, I like that, uh, I guess that metaphor or that explanation, mm -hmm. untying the knot. I mean, I could see that would be a really gratifying part of, of the work of an ombuds. Mm -hmm. And, and so I'm curious, I know you mentioned at the outset, there's there's different types of ombuds. So you've mentioned organizational. Can you talk a little bit about the other types? Sure, you know, there's um, a number of other types of ombuds, like there's an advocate ombuds, a hybrid ombuds, executive, legislative, um, media. Um, these are all different types of ombuds that are actually defined on a resource that I encourage um, your listeners to go to is the the International Ombuds Association. Their website is ombudsassociation.org. Uh, if you go forward slash ombuds dash FAQ, it um, provides you know a, a great uh, description of some frequently asked questions. And um, but one way I think to say is that usually there's two main types of ombuds is uh, known as the organizational ombuds, which serves um, members of an organization, again, employees, managers, any other, anybody else defined by the charter. And, and by the way, a charter is an, a, really a, a document that outlines 
um, the Abud's, the scope of the Abud's role, uh, the principles, what the Abud's does, what the Abud's does not do, the limitations of an Abud's. An Abud's doesn't, for example, provide any type of um, counseling or, or, you know, psychological counseling or kind of therapy work. Um, also, they don't provide legal services um, and don't conduct investigations. Um, has no authority to render a decision. It's rather just, um, you know, an ombuds has influence without authority, but the influence comes from actually the, usually the person who is the, uh, the highest um, uh, decision maker within a company or university, say a CEO or perhaps a president um, who would say, I sign off on this charter, I support the ombuds and I encourage the members of our um, organization, whether they're students, faculty, staff, um, graduate students, or if it's in a company, would be employees, uh, members of management, um, and even specific departments. So that charter provides the, the basis and also protection for both the ombuds and the company. So since the ombuds is confidential, you really want to make sure you've built in safeguards to ensure that the company um, cannot be kind of sued or or it really should be established that that confidentiality is something that everyone takes seriously because you don't want like say um a plaintiff's attorney to come and say hey look i need you to turn over your ombuds records and you want to have those protections in place showing that not only do you have a charter which outlines those protections but also that you've informed members of the organization that your conversations are are confidential and the you know the members of the organization have relied on that because they said we've come to you because you know you told us this would be confidential and so that's just another way to ensure and increase the chance that the ombuds confidentiality cannot be breached that makes sense and so i'm curious to ask a follow-up to the to the charter so i'm trying to draw the comparison with being a mediator and i'm thinking about you know at the beginning of a mediation you might have and, and go over an agreement to mediate with mm -hmm. parties, right? To just spell out the scope. So with the charter, is that something that's between the organization and the ombuds? Or, I mean, do, do the visitors like sign off on that sort of charter? Yeah, it's really interesting. It's a, it's a great question that the, the charter, you know, really is, at least in our cases, and as an outsourced ombuds provider, is that it's between the, the omb I sign it, um, as well as the, you know, either CEO or president. Um, and I, I, I sign it given that I, um, as a founder and executive director, as well as an ombuds at MWI, which is the company that I do my work from. And um, so that charter in many ways is, is the agreement and, and the CEO is signing on behalf of the employees. And then we also um, need to, uh, inform the employees or whoever's using the um, services about the contents of the charter. But the charter is usually a little dry and kind of uh, <laughs> not, not overly inspirational. So that's why we've set up, say, a separate web page or set up um, something that would um, inform, like make videos or whatever it is to make sure that people understand what the ombuds is and how they and what it what it isn't. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, I know you just mentioned uh, your dispute resolution service and training firm in Boston, NWI. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious, we've talked about, you know, um, how you do outsourced ombuds work. If there are, 
listeners who are currently mediators and maybe they're thinking about adding the work of an ombuds to their menu of service offerings. I mean, what do you think the challenges are with being an outsourced ombuds? And then also, I guess, you know, how does how does one go about breaking into that work? Yeah, you know, I've always been a believer that, you know, the tide rises all boats. And I think it's really important. Like at MWI, we've um, provided mediation training for uh, mediators again since uh, 1994. And we've been doing that, you know, regularly um, and have trained hundreds, if not thousands of people to become mediators because I think that's the world's a better place with more mediators in it. And um, and I've also felt very, um, and I'm very excited right now, we our ombuds panel is really comprised of some really experienced, skilled, thoughtful, creative ombuds who have come from, um, you know, sometimes decades of experience of working as ombuds, and that's that's as an as a firm that provides you know outsourced ombuds to different clients. We have multiple clients, and we have we assign ombuds to work with that particular company or university. And it's really important. I think the model that we provide is all the advantages of an in-house ombuds, because um, oftentimes there is important that the ombuds gets to know the organization, meets the different players, meets the the um, employees, um, meets upper management, meets any uh, labor and union groups um, to make sure that you build trust and awareness about the ombuds function. Um, and so, you know, this is something that we do kind of systemically. Another big thing that we try to do as outsourced practitioners is to make sure that um, we offer diversity to um, to make sure that the ombuds represent the people they'll be serving. Um, and one of the benefits of an outsourced model is that we, at a minimum, will provide two ombuds, and the two ombuds will um, represent say different genders, uh, different ethnicities, races, um, you know, all the different factors that may um, be important to the organization. And some of our, we have one client, um, it's actually, we, we're running the biggest um, ombuds um, service, actually outsource service in, in this, the United States, um, having started with CVS um, just this past year. Um, and it actually was earlier this year. It just seems like it's been a long time because it's been very busy. Um, but we have a panel of about right now nine ombuds who serve 300,000 employees. And those um, ombuds are all experienced. They have all been trained. So to get to answer your question about how people can get into the field, um, one, I think they should really look into the ombuds function. I wrote an article about my journey of, of shifting from mediator to ombuds. Not that I don't mediate um, anymore. I still do regularly, but I also, as a work in my ombuds work, um, and I'm happy to share that we can maybe link it to this um, um, podcast. Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, one of the things that I encourage people to do is after reading about and learning more about, is this a good fit for you, is to take the foundations course at the International Ombuds Association. And I think that's almost like a prerequisite. It's almost like, uh, at least in Massachusetts, we encourage people to take mediation training. Um, not only will you learn things about like managing the process and understanding the role and the ethical considerations and, and the process, but um, it's also, at least in Massachusetts, in order to be protected by the confidentiality statute, you have to have at least a certain number of hours of training plus a certain amount of experience. And not that the there's actually no uh, licensure or certification 
that's required of ombuds, but it, it, it definitely helps if one is trained. And I also encourage experienced ombuds to take a look at that um, the IOA put together the co-op, the uh, certified organizational um, ombuds practitioner status, which actually just provides you know reassurance to those who hire you of your um, experience and qualifications. So I think it's one of those things where I think uh, mediators are well suited to be ombuds, but it's it's a, a very different role, and it's one that requires a lot of understanding um, and some you know nuanced understanding of what the ombuds does and and doesn't do. But I think that a mediator is in a really good place to um, you know shift from the more one-off ad hoc kind of approach with mediation. Uh, to a systemic approach. And I will also say it's from a business model perspective, I think mediation work is one of the toughest things because, you know, almost by definition, you are, to put it crudely, you eat what you kill in terms of like, you know, you have each case is oftentimes, hopefully the parties are looking at different mediators before they select you to make an informed decision. And once that case is done, you know, there's no guarantee unless counsel, you know, follows up with you or you're doing work for a particular company and they may want to follow up with you for additional cases. But what's nice about the ombuds work is that, you know, it's it's more like an annuity in terms of that you have a contract with them that hopefully repeats not only month after month, but year after year. Um, and so it's it's really one of those things where it's there's a bit of stability for ADR practitioners in terms of the, and I've, I've really found that to be a kind of a, an upside when it comes to the ombuds work. And it actually, the ombuds work constitutes the majority of the work that we do at MWI. We still do a lot of mediations. We still do a lot of training. We do facilitations, but the ombuds work is the majority of our work and our um, business development line. That makes sense. And so I was also curious then, you know, you talk about um, the work of an ombuds, how it's necessary to have, like, it sounds like this deep organizational knowledge. I mean, and then you also mentioned panels. I mean, is that a way, is that a way for someone to get started? So for example, instead of thinking about, oh, I'm going to add this to my current practice and try to do this on my own. I mean, are there panels like yours others like yours that exist out there where, you know, maybe someone can go get their training and then perhaps join a panel in order to do this type of work. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is that there is, um, MWI is one uh, provider of outsourced ombud services. There are others. And I, I just encourage people to kind of look into it. Um, I do think it's a, a good way to go because just like as a mediator, I always encourage mediators to join multiple panels, even when you're starting out, even if it's just volunteer, I think the volunteer opportunities are massively important in order for you to get experienced and get better at your, at your, you know, building your skills. Um, I, I will say that's a little bit of a, uh, a, a tough road for some newer practitioners, it's almost like, you know, credit. It's like you can't get credit unless you have credit. And so the idea of getting that ombuds opportunity without having experiences in ombuds uh, can be tough. But at the same time, it, it shouldn't stop you. Just like people who kind of get their first break as a mediator, um, it's because they were kind of diligent. They kept at it. They, they knew this was something they want to follow through and they did their networking, perhaps even 
you know, spent time um, doing some volunteer work with an organization, because a lot of times people will come in with certain skill sets, maybe they are uh, skilled at helping um, nonprofits with fundraising or with, you know, managing, um, you know, their own, um, you know, incorporation documents, whatever they can do to, you know, help, it becomes an opportunity for the practitioner to show their um, ability to work hard is also their ability to um, um, be a team player. So I, I just encourage people, I, so I, I don't want to give a mixed signal of that, you know, we have a panel, but we do look for experienced ombuds first and foremost, because that's what we provide to our clients. But at the same time, it, it's also true that we've um, onboarded um, people who, I, who I've known who have been very experienced mediators and, and experienced as facilitators and others um, who also got opportunities to work with us. So I, I just think it's one of those things is like, get that initial training. Um, also, there's uh, a colleague um, who, who you may have heard of. His name is Chuck Howard, who is a former executive director of the International Ombuds Association. He's written uh, two books now on the ombuds practice, but his latest book, uh, it's called A Practical Guide to the Organizational Ombuds, um, published by the American Bar Association, um, is a really helpful read for anybody who wants to better understand the ombuds um, profession, it's it's really uh, thoughtfully laid out where he, the first 100 pages are really about the the role of the ombuds, the tech, technical aspects of a charter and, and and all these other things that an ombuds needs to know. And the, and the remaining, say about 200 pages are case studies and case examples, which are really helpful for understanding in specific terms um, what an ombuds does and, and what do they do with the issues that are, are brought to them by visitors. That makes sense. And I was thinking as you were sharing that, you know, I think the thought that's coming to mind is, you know, for a mediator who is thinking about taking on work as an ombuds, it sounds like the prudent thing to do is really probably take a similar approach like you did when you began mediating like you didn't you didn't just take you know a 20 hour 16 hour 40 hour however many hour training it was and then go start getting all these cases <laughs> to mediate mm -hmm. right away mm -hmm. that you know i think the the thing that i'm um this is causing me to reflect on is just even though the field of dispute resolution has a great variety and we've all got this ability to kind of do more than one thing mm -hmm. but if we're going to add something else to our practice, we've got to do it mindfully and really recognize that, you know, being an ombuds, that is, there are some similarities, it sounds like, but there's also a distinct skill set that one mm -hmm. needs to have in order to do it right. Just mm -hmm. like, you know, we had another episode on conflict coaching. Mm -hmm. um, how that's a distinct skill set and that's a distinct role. So I guess mm -hmm. that's the nutshell version is, you know, just because one may be trained as a mediator and have lots of experience in mediating does not automatically mean you can go out <laughs> the next day and put on, you know, an ombuds hat and expect to be proficient at that or put on a conflict coach hat and expect to be proficient that if we're going to expand our practices, we've got to do it mindfully. We've got to get the right training. We've got to get some experience and, you know, continue mm -hmm. on that path, just like we did in transitioning from, you know, what, whatever other career we had prior to mediating to becoming a mediator. 
Yeah, and I think it, you're speaking about kind of really re respecting yeah. the profession, the field. I mean, just like, let's just say somebody who was a former judge or a lawyer doesn't necessarily become an effective mediator. I mean, right. I that, and once it's interesting of all the lawyers and judges I've trained over the years is that it's it's really, you know, those who can really see the differences about how the skill set is actually markedly different in terms of what they learned in in law school as well as what they use to become effective um, advocates. And now when they shift over to being a neutral, they understand the difference and understand that they use, um, you know, just a different part of their uh, colleague of mine. I remember one time a friend colleague, he said that when he went to law school, his um, left brain swooped around and ate his right brain in his first year. And then after he spent like, afterwards, he spent a couple of years having his left to regurgitate his right brain so he could kind of, uh, you know, get back those kind of creative um, skills that are, are less about the kind of the analytical uh, thing on the left side. Um, but but I think it's also the true, I think if we can respect the, uh, and understand that they're very different roles um, and whether you're an ombuds or a conflict coach or a mediator. Uh, and, and I think that respect translates into putting the time in, uh, reading about it, making sure you fully understand that which you want to do. Because uh, any of these paths, as you know, are just, they're, they're challenging, but it's very rewarding as well. But it's not just a, a quick, you know, just like if you take a mediation training, it doesn't mean like you should expect that you're going to just get cases sent to you is that if anything they're just going to need to know you've done this before no one wants to be your guinea pig you know the first time out so i think if you can understand that uh and it's a tough field nothing is given to any of us we have to kind of earn it and there's choices that organizations have between ombuds and it's not just you know individuals it's like do i want to hire somebody internally or do i want to work with an outsourced provider like mwi um, we just find that the argument for true independence is something that is um, achieved, you know, by an outsourced model, as well as the confidentiality um, of like having distinct systems that gather data and to that communicate with visitors um, that I, I really encourage, you know, everyone to really look at, including, you know, in-house ombuds to really think through, um, are my systems um, set up in such a way that there's no vulnerabilities um, where perhaps an IT uh, department within my university or company could actually review or even have subpoenaed uh, communications that were um, supposed to be confidential. Yeah. All right. So I've got one more question for you, and it's more of a lighthearted question. So, mm -hmm. and, and this is just because I'm curious. So mm -hmm. when I first started mediating and I would explain what mediation is, or I would say I was a mediator, people would ask me, or they would say like, I don't want to do meditation. <laughs> Why are you asking me to do meditation? Mm -hmm. So is there anything similar to that, that you experience as an ombuds? Like when you tell people I'm an ombuds, what's, what's their reaction if they're not familiar with it and they're not you know, uh, uh, someone who is doing the work of an ombuds. Yeah, no, it's so funny because when it's it's interesting. Our MWI, by the way, stands for Mediation Works Incorporated, and I can't tell you how many letters or when we used to get letters, Medication Works Incorporated <laughs> or Meditation Works. Yeah, mm -hmm. it does, but it's not mediation. And it's really interesting. I mean, a lot of times when I, you know, if I to let people know, you know, if I'm I mediate, they say, oh, and they actually have a a, a somewhat of an idea they say oh do you do employment or you do construction or whatever 
And uh, whereas ombuds are like, what's that? You know, they, they, they're really, unless they have an ombuds or they've used an ombuds, they don't know. And it's kind of, and I think that's actually the opportunity that we have that I think every company university would really benefit from a, again, independent, confidential, informal, impartial resource that their employees can raise issues. I mean, it's, and it's something where, um, I think the same is true with um, just explaining the ombuds function. It's it's something where I do have to take some time to talk to the visitors about it. And and um, I just had one visitor just recently say to me, she says, I didn't know what an ombuds was before I, I called you, but now I'm a big fan. And I'm going <laughs> to tell my other, my colleagues about it. I'm like, good, you know, hopefully I don't have to call. And we're not the the first line of defense. We are actually the last place you should call because ideally the existing formal channel should serve you but when they don't that's what the ombuds is for people shouldn't be stuck or frustrated thinking like i don't know what to do anymore or i want to rate bring this up but i'm not really sure if i should you know how i would do it or what's the impact of for perhaps raising this with hr maybe somebody could actually do a little um recognizance or preliminary conversations like i can go to hr and say what happens if someone brings up this alleged harassment and they'd say well this would happen and so the visitor the employee can make the informed choice about what to do yeah that's very cool just how you know an ombuds is able to really sounds like help provide information so that someone can make their own informed decisions that's really exactly cool. yeah that's that's really it in a nutshell yeah, that's yeah. cool. Well, hey, Chuck, this has been such a great conversation, such a great episode. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. You know, if there's any listener who wants to connect with you to continue the conversation, how can they connect? Yeah, a couple of different ways. Um, one is they can visit MWI site. It's very simple, mwi.org. And it's actually forward slash ombuds, O-M-B-U-D-S is, is the way to kind of uh, you know, learn more. Also, I started a outsourced ombuds network on LinkedIn. It's a LinkedIn group. And we welcome not only um, practicing outsourced ombuds, but others who support the ombuds function. So if they're just interested and want to learn more, they could take part in the conversation that way. Um, and, and other than that, I'm on LinkedIn. So just look up Chuck Doran, always happy to connect with others who are interested and excited about um, ombuds and ADR work. But Veronica, this has been a lot of fun. And, and one other resource that um, folks is, is uh, uh, Tom uh, Kazakowski um, put together a, a really, it's called the Ombuds Blog. And so if you go to ombuds-blog, B-L-O-G dot blogspot.com, um, he has, I think it's almost like the paper of record for Ombuds. He posts every opportunity he posts new offices, he posts updates. It is really an impressive resource. So for those who are interested in getting into the field, learning more about it, learning about what's going on, again, ombuds-blog.blogspot.com. Very cool. And we'll go ahead and drop those links into the show oh, notes so that, so that people can click on those. Well, very cool. All right. Well, like I said, this has been so much fun and I'm going to be sure to send you a LinkedIn friend request, Chuck. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right, friends. Well, that wraps up another great episode of the Mediate.com podcast. I'll talk to you next time. 
This podcast was brought to you by Mediate.com. For more information about Mediate.com's programs and content, please visit our website at www.mediate.com.